Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for doing this, my man. I really appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's an honor. So for the people that don't necessarily know about you, kind of, you are known in in the social media realms as the world's strongest gay. Which, as a title, I mean, it's as fabulous as you get, really. Uh, but it, it, it's amazing to, to, to make the impact that you have done on such a uh, an alpha uh, dominant sport is a really, really interesting complex to work with. So I really want get, to get into that. How did you find the whole kind of process of, of, of coming out in such a kind of hyper male dominant sport? Because it's a really strange dynamic. Yeah, you know, for me, it was, um, I was uh, already actually, I had already turned pro um, before I had come out. So I started competing in strongman in 2009. And, um, you know, that's when I was, you know, still quote unquote straight. <laughs> um, and, you know, got really into the sport and, you know, met a lot of my friends, you know, early on in my career. Turned pro in 2013 as a 105 athlete uh, here in the U.S. And 2014 is when I, you know, kind of came to terms with my sexuality and, you know, came out publicly in October of that year. And, you know, to be totally honest, it was, um, I <laughs> was having a lot of questions, uh, you know, from my friends who I come out to privately, uh, family members just kind of like, you know, what's this going to do to your strongman career? And to be totally honest, I, I really didn't give a flying fuck. Uh, um, because to me it was, if, you know, nothing about me is going to be changing. I'm still going to be the same Rob Kearney, um, you know, after I, you know, announced this news and, and, you know, it went, it went viral, uh, pretty quickly, you know, so, uh, my now husband and I were only dating for about a month and a half at that time. Oh my and God. yeah. And, you know, I, I never thought that it would turn into what it did. You know, for me, it was, I was coming out, finally being true to myself. I was dating a guy who had already been out, you know, since high school. And I really didn't feel that it was fair for him to be dating somebody that was still closeted when he's been out for so long. So came out, um, you know, was really cool. Had a friend of ours write an article because he was the one that realized that I'm the first openly gay professional strongman athlete in the world. Um, and once that article went live, that's when, uh, that's when <laughs> things got a little bit crazy with, uh, interviews and social media just kind of exploded overnight. And, um, you know, you want to find a way to, to put your relationship under pressure really early on, do something monumental like that. And, uh, <laughs> luckily it worked out for Joey and I for the better. Um, but you know, it was, it was great. You know, the support that I got, you know, being a one Oh five pro not competing as a heavyweight yet coming out, I was still getting text messages from like Brian Shaw, um, Derek Poundstone, who's now my coach, uh, Terry Hollins, guys um, who I've looked up to for years and years and years, reaching out saying, you know, congratulations, we're happy for you. Um, you know, I had their support, which, you know, that was unreal because these were guys, like I said, I'd been watching on TV and looked up to for so long. And now, you know, to consider them friends and allies uh, was, was a really big moment for me. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. And would you say that you were you were kind of pleasantly taken aback by just how receiving the the the, it, the strength industry in itself was about kind of you coming out? Yeah, you know, I mean, I really didn't get any negative feedback per se. You know, well, I, I'll preface that I didn't get any negative feedback from the competitors. Yeah, there's always one asshole. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
always. And, uh, you know, you and I know the culture of strongman and what a brotherhood and like a family it really is. And uh, um, everybody that, that understood that culture was super supportive, absolutely amazing. Um, and like I said before, nothing really changed. It was all the people that, you know, mainly, to be honest, like on starting strongman, when the article got posted there, um, of people that were just getting into the sport that didn't have a background in strongman and they didn't understand what we go through and the kind of camaraderie that we have at this level. Um, you know, those were the people that were, you know, making the backhanded comments and, you know, kind of talking shit. But, you know, the funny thing is, is like, I never once had to defend myself because everybody would just do that for me. So, <laughs> you know, it was kind of nice. Uh, to have that support and that constant, um, you know, just knowing everybody had my back throughout the entire thing was absolutely amazing. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, that there is always going to be that moment where change needs to happen and people need to come to the realization that, that this is obviously different now. And there are always going to be those people that are stuck in the past. But I think we're very thankful in, in where we are now that everyone is kind of very forward thinking, very open. People are more aware of what's going on and mental health and we're starting to talk about it more and more and it's a it's a subject that i'm fascinated with because i think it's really really important especially you know mental health is very important for everyone but i'm very much a big proponent of trying to get more guys to to, to talk about things and talk about how they feel and actually speak because it, it tends to be a case of that most guys don't do that and actually everyone's got problems everyone's got shit going on but the more we talk about it the better it feels so coming from yourself were were you always aware of the fact that 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 you were gay ever since you, that you were young? Was this something that you developed kind of that 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 became as you got older? And if so, how do you how does one deal with that? How do you deal with that mentally, along with you trying to compete and turn pro and all the other stresses that are going on in your life? It must just feel like such a big weight on your shoulders. Yeah, you know, for me, it was. I guess, you know, looking back on my, my life, you know, in high school and even to, into uni, I never, I never was like fascinated by relationships or sexuality and stuff like that. I was one of those people that like, I was super goal driven, um, super involved in school. Uh, you know, like I played football, I played baseball, I was a cheerleader, I was class president, I was a lead singer in a, in a band, um, I was in the school band, you know, so I kind of dipped my toes into everything. Um, and I just like really just stayed busy all the time. And, um, you know, it wasn't until later on in my college career after I had started strongman, I actually dated a girl for about a year and a half. Um, you know, and it was during that relationship where I started like really to come to terms with my sexuality and, you know, so I was 22 when this all kind of came to a head. This is still kind of young. Uh, you know, I, yeah, yeah, decently young. And, you know, to be honest, I just woke up one morning and I was exhausted. And, you know, I had always, you know, put on this facade every morning of being this super happy, positive, um, you know, strong, emotionally, you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, emotionally strong person every single day. And um, it was all a front, you know, because I was dealing with this, you know, internal battle of finding my sexuality and figuring out what the hell I wanted in life. Um, but also I was trying to, like, follow societal norms and thought I needed to date a girl. And once I got out of that headspace and kind of switched things around, it's like, I just want to be happy. 
um, you know, that's when, that's when I made the turn, you know, I ended that relationship, um, and, you know, was fortunate enough to, you know, find Joey pretty early on after, you know, kind of figuring out <laughs> what the hell I wanted, um, you know, and fell in love with somebody that was super supportive. And, you know, fortunately it's led us to, you know, now being married and living a great life. And and was uh, was was Joey doing much in the way of sports prior to you guys meeting, or was this was this entirely your influence upon him? <laughs> Joey Joey's one of those like annoyingly athletic people. <laughs> so, so he you know he he was he actually ran track and played soccer in high school and uni, um, and really never lifted weights, but was just like always unbelievably athletic and. You know, my favorite story to tell about him is like, you know, I kind of introduced him to the weight room because he had, he obviously had no idea what strongman was. He was like, oh, here's this like kind of strong dude. Um, and you're you like, know, no, 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 oh, wait, is, let me I show think, you. Like, <laughs> then picks up a log and you're like, oh, okay, you're really fucking strong. <laughs> so, you know what? That didn't even make it set in. It wasn't even that. It, it was about two weeks after we had started dating, I was competing at my first America's Strongest Man. And ended up taking second place. Wow. So I got home from that. And, you know, I still, him and I were dating. Um, I was still not open about my sexuality. So I, you know, really couldn't say anything too big. Um, so I got home. I'm like, yeah, you know, I took second place. He's like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, bitch, you're like, it, uh, honey, in, let me see you down and tell you a few things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, but, you know, introducing him to, to weightlifting and, and strongman in the sport was super exciting. And, you know, when I say annoyingly athletic, you know, I mean, this is a guy that learned how to do a full squat clean and jerk, um, you know, Olympic lifting style his first day on a barbell. Uh, um, y y yeah, my my sentiments. Jesus. Exactly. So. Yeah, that is that's, annoyingly that's a pain athletic. In the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people that just pick so up the first time, and you're like, "Man, I've been I've been training this for like I don't even know how many years, and there are still days where I don't even get it right." And I yeah, still you can suck step it. up. <laughs> is is your background in Olympic lifting? Because obviously, like, I mean, anyone no. that actually knows you knows about your incredible jerk split jerk with a log, which is just man, it friggin' blows my mind every time I see it. Where the hell did this come from? It doesn't make sense, but it works so well. So for me, um, when I got into you know lifting weights and everything like that, overhead was my least favorite thing to do because I was the weakest on it. You know, for me, I was like, you know, I was 17 years old and yeah, <laughs> you know, stepping into the weight room, you know, the first time I stepped in, um, my, I actually got into strongman because of CrossFit. And my first day at this CrossFit gym, I was 17 years old, and they had a max deadlift for the for one of the, for the workout. I was like, all right, cool. So I deadlifted what was it? I think like 250 kilos, just you know, a little over 500 pounds. 17 years old, and you know they. Jesus, uh, that's a strong. Deadlift. So they quickly realized I sucked at CrossFit, but I was good at lifting heavy stuff. Um, so they kind of molded me into this strength athlete, and you know. I walked into the gym one Tuesday morning. They're like, hey, there's a local strongman contest this weekend, and we signed you up for it. Um, I had never done any of the implants. I had never trained it. I would seen it on TV. I went to the contest, got my ass kicked, and absolutely fell in love with the sport. <laughs> so for me, when it comes to overhead, it was 
being in the CrossFit gym, you know, they teach, you know, all, all the different overhead techniques. And my, my strict press was abysmal. And I was always super embarrassed because I was like one of the bigger guys at the gym. And there's these guys that are smaller than me that are crushing me on these workouts. So that's when we learned like the push press and then the split jerk. And I was actually pretty good at the split jerk. I was like, oh, I'm going to keep rolling with this. Um, and then it was just kind of over time adapted it to the strongman movements, you know, with the log press and anybody that knows how to do the Olympic movements, a split jerk on a barbell versus a log are two different animals. Um, you know, so it took a lot of time to perfect, you know, hence, you know, it took me 10 years. Um, you know, but fortunately I have a nice little technique and formula down now where, um, you know, it works almost every single time for me. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, luckily gotten me to. Get the American log. Press I was going to say, dude, so, if you've got uh, the American yeah, log press record, that like you can't say anything about it. Like it doesn't matter. You've you've done it. Like it doesn't matter what the techers is. Like you've smashed it. Just keep on doing that. It doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, you know, because obviously, I'm sure you see on social media, I get shit all the time, um, not just for being gay, but for split jerking as well. So you know, if, if, <laughs> as if one thing's not piling on the second one. So. <laughs> <laughs> But like what, what I find fascinating was, is, um... is 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 the fact that you've you've said like you've stepped into a CrossFit gym and the the nicest thing is that like for me from a training and coaching perspective as well is that it's they've seen your capability and they've seen what you're able to do and they haven't tried to force you and pigeonhole you to become this like cardiovascular athlete like you need to drop this weight and they've actually said you know let's utilize what you have here and I think that is actually in and of itself kind of like the biggest blessing in disguise ever. No one's tried to change who you are. They've literally just seen what you can do and they've gone, okay, the, this guy, he's definitely a strength athlete, so let's push him down this road. I think there's so many organizations where people don't necessarily get that opportunity. And like for, for you, man, like what the stars aligned. Like you could have gone into any other yeah, gym that day that, and this never happened. That, that moment changed my life, you know? I mean, it's... Um, you know, obviously, like, working out was always super fun. I always really enjoyed it. I obviously, had, like I said, I'd seen Strongman on TV, always super interested in it. Um, and I had played team sports growing up. But I liked the individuality of Strongman. Uh, um, and then what you find as you get deeper into the sport, it almost has a team aspect to it. Um, even though it's an individual sport, you know, because this is one of the only sports where you're cheering on the guy you're competing against. And, um, you know, I think a great, a great example of that is me and Luke Stoltman at the world's strongest man, fi at the world's strongest man this year, what you know, going scene. head to head, he's one of my best friends. And, um, you know, and when, when he beat me, um, you know, we were hugging on the platform right after literally seconds after he beat me, it's over then. And, you know, he's giving me this big hug. And I, the only thing I said in his ear is like, you better not fuck up the finals now. Because um, <laughs> I wanted him to do well now that he just beat me. You know, but that was, uh, you know, yes. Yeah, so, you know, that moment of stepping into that CrossFit gym and then recognizing, um, you know, that I might have some potential in, you know, lifting some weights. You know, like I said, it kind of it changed my entire life and what I thought I'd be doing. You know, I went to, um, from there, I ended up going to university for, um, for sports medicine. So it's kind of like a sports physio almost. I'm an athletic trainer. And uh, that's what I thought I wanted to do with my life. You know, I wanted to work in the NFL, work for the football teams uh, as they're uh, on their sports medicine team. Luckily, the school I went to had a powerlifting team um, and I joined that. So I competed in powerlifting for a couple of years. And while that was fun, I, I missed being athletic. 
you know, and that's the thing that keeps that drew me back into strongman, you know, and then a couple of years after doing that, we renamed the powerlifting team into team iron sports. Um, so we had powerlifters, strongman, bodybuilders and Olympic lifters all training together in the same gym at the same time, uh, which was really, really cool. And it was a great atmosphere. And that actually from that team uh, came three professional strongmen, uh, multiple international athletes, powerlifting champions, bodybuilding pros um you know we had a stretch of like three four years in that in that team where um we were just turning out monsters um you know from myself to the other notable guys are the hadge brothers um yeah 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 we they were a part of that um you know there's a u90 athlete andrew triana from the u.s who's pretty who's awesome uh you know you know so we we had a pretty stacked group of kids that you know in that 18 to 22 year old range and we were just training four days a week together um you know and luckily had such a great time that you know all of us kind of followed through and you know did some pretty awesome things in the sport and what do you think kind of what dynamic change because obviously when you bring when you bring body uh, like uh powerlifting with bodybuilding and strongman there's different training methods and techniques and kind of ways around things. And there's so many different focal points in each aspect of the sport. So do you think that they were kind of standout aspects for you that different competitors brought across that you found really helped you? Yeah. You know, for us, what was cool about that team is like we had a coach for each group of athletes. Um, so everybody was doing their own workouts, whatever to whatever goals they wanted to achieve. Um, but just being in that atmosphere together, uh, you know, bringing that co- competitive nature from all different sports of strength athletics um, under one roof, we're all supporting each other. We're all like, you know, just dying every single training session because we're dumb college kids. We really don't know how to, you know, tone it back at all. <laughs> so we're just going 110 percent every single time we step in the weight room. Um, it was, you know, it was such, such a freaking cool atmosphere, you know, to see guys, you know, snatching next to a bodybuilder next to power lifters that are squatting in a motto next to strongman athletes doing axle clean and press, uh, you know, to get everybody there together and supporting each other was really cool and a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, definitely helped all of us appreciate the different strength sports in a different way, um, you know, because, I could never train like a bodybuilder. I get bored as hell. But the guys that are doing it, that they know, you know, that mind-body connection, and they're super strict about the amount of discipline it takes. You know, it, it gave me a newfound respect for that sport, um, and that's one of the coolest things that I think we learned going through those through those few years together. Yeah, and I think you know what you're saying, where you've come from uh, uh, a team-based sports background when you get into a a lifting environment which is very much an an individual sport you know that's that's the thing when you step up to the platform although you have everyone behind you you know it's it's up to you to lift that weight there's there's no other contributing factors everyone else can shout as loud as they want but if you don't get it up you don't get it up and i think i mean myself i came from a big rugby background i played it from the age of six years old up until about 18 19 and for myself, I mean, I lived and breathed the sport. I played with guys from literally like the, the first training session up until the, the, the day that I left. And you get a really big bond. Then when you move across to a solo sport, 
you can really i mean i know that i felt that there was a long time where i had this disconnect where i was i i needed something and i needed that camaraderie again but i think what you said there having all those people underneath one roof it's dude it's just another team right yeah no that's exactly how we've been treated it you know i mean we you know we would do meals together we would travel to the gym on the weekends together to do strongman training you know it really was that team atmosphere that i think a lot of us needed especially you know being you know between 18 and 22 years old were dumb strength athletes you know and it would probably get in a lot of trouble uh if we weren't holding each other accountable so you know it was kind of nice to have that that camaraderie uh throughout those years and you know i mean it's it's those years that kind of shaped me and got me to turn, you know, pro when I was only 21. You know, I was in those few years. I mean, I think I competed on average nine times a year for like three years in a row. You know, pretty much I would throw a dart. You know, if I drew a radius around where we were and if it was within a five hour driving distance, I'd be going to compete. Um, you know, so it was pretty much once a month, at least I was, you know, getting out there and competing and those guys were coming as well. You know, we do road trips to other competitions for other athletes. So it was super cool that entire time. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that's one of the, the, the biggest things that I feel like is, is missing here in the UK is that we don't have, unless you're a member of a gym and you kind of, you form your own social circle. There aren't too many, like, obviously with university and stuff, you guys just live uh, live together and train together and do everything together. But I feel like that seems like a, a really intelligent way of doing things where everyone gets the opportunity to compete, everyone can come and support everyone, you can give feedback, you can help coach each other. And I think it just raises everyone's game up, which at the end of the day, as a competitive athlete, that's all you want, isn't it? You just want, you want to get better, but you want everyone else to get better too. Yeah, you know, and it brought a level of accountability too. You know, I mean, it's super easy if you're just training alone to be like, uh, you know, I'm I'm good. I don't need to do that next, or you know, I'll just I'll just put it off till tomorrow. It's really easy to make excuses, but if you know the team is showing up to the gym at seven o'clock Monday night, and this is the workout we're going to be doing, you know, strap up your boots because that's what we're going. That's what we're all going to be going through. And there was no hiding. There was no backing out. And you know, and we all we all checked in on each other. Um, and like I said, we really held each other accountable. And I think that's, it was that atmosphere that that's why we had so many high level athletes come out of that group. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now you're 22, 23 years old at this point, you graduate from college and you're kind of, you, you're going off into the big wide world. Everyone starts to split off in different ways and people go down different routes. People choose different federations, et cetera, et cetera. What then happens for you? Do you stick to the training program that you that you were doing previously? Do you seek out a new coach? What was what was the thing that you took upon yourself to do to ensure that your progress continued? Because I think that's where a lot of people stall. They leave, they graduate. The world is then their oyster. Too much shit falls on their plate. Training takes a backseat. And then next thing you know, you're like 34 years old. You're obese on the couch and you're going, where did it all go? You know, for me, it was um, so I actually stayed for a master's degree at the same uni. Um, and so I stayed at that school for another two years. Um, but during that time, that's when I actually sought out. I did seek out a new coach um, and I actually hired Mike Jenkins as my coach. Um, so cool. I worked with Mike for almost a full year and he's actually the one who I turned pro under. So that was January of 2013 is when I hired him as my coach. Um, 
we worked together up until November of that year. That's when I turned pro. Um, you know, and I actually still under his coaching, I have the largest margin of victory at a national championship here in North America ever. Um, you know, that, you know, which, you know, I definitely give him a lot of, if not all the credit for, uh, cause he absolutely crushed me for those nine months. You know, I, uh, I had two heartbreaking losses leading into that show. Um, you know, going for my pro card where, the national championship in 2012, I was in first place by 13 points going into the final event and lost. Um, yeah. What event nice. did you lose on? Uh, so it was a medley. It was a, a uh, it was sandbag, Husafelt, duck walk to a backward sled drag. So, oh, yep. Jesus. That is a, that's a nasty that was, medley. Jeez. So it was a tough pill to swallow, that's for sure. You know, especially... I finished um, I finished 14 places behind the guy that was in second place, so I ended up losing the contest by one point. Oh, fuck. Oh, man, that's so yep. painful. And then after that, there was another um, there was another pro-am contest where I was going for my pro card. Lost that one by half a point. So, you know, pretty much back-to-back, heartbreaking, super close losses. Uh, talk about a kick in the nuts to uh, to really motivate you to kind of pull out all, all the stops, and that's exactly what I did leading into nationals in 2013 with working with Mike. Um, kind of put everything, you know, behind training. Uh, I really didn't care about anything else. Um, and luckily, it paid off. You know, I won the national championship by, that year by over 50 points. Um, had a 73 point lead going into the final event, so I actually wow. didn't even have to do the final event. Yeah. Um, so I, the lowest placing I took in any event was second place at that contest. But I mean, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Like if you are truly hungry and if you want it bad enough, dude, you'll go away. You'll, you'll put in the work and you'll come back. So for, for you, what, was there anything different that you changed in those times from those kind of the, 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 the double kick in the nuts to taking it at nationals? What, did anything change or was it just literally a different Rob Kearney stepped up on the day? It was a different headspace and you just took it. I think it was, it was a huge mental change for me, you know, going in, you know, I, I think going into those other two shows, it was like, yeah, you, you know, I could, I bro, I could do pretty well at this. Um, and then going in the nationals that year that I won, it was like, no, I need to win. Then there was no other options. You know I mean? I didn't give myself the option of losing. And uh, I think that's where the biggest change came between the other two contests. It was, yeah, I could I could do well at these shows as opposed to I'm winning this contest. A hundred percent, yeah. And I think that the, the whole mindset shift, as much as people don't necessarily believe in it, I think especially in a sport of strongman where so much of it, it's not just physical power, but it's just how much pain you're willing to endure up here in order to win the event. You know, you talk about any of these like max, max distance, max times, max anything. It's not necessarily who's strongest. It's who is sadistic and sick enough in the head to just keep on going through everything. You know, we, we, we talk about people that are, are loading 180 kilo stones with torn off biceps. You know, theoretically, you should be able to do it. But if you're a little bit unhinged up here and you know how to use it, then you can achieve remarkable things. And that's obviously just what's happened is that you've just obviously realized your own capability and shit. I mean, that point lead, that's just got to tell you everything that you need to know that like this is where you need to be. This is your sport. 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny, talk about, you know, that whole mental part, you know, because that's something that me and Derek Townsend have worked a lot together on the past year. You know, I mean, Derek in his heyday, you know, he, you know, he was famous for, you know, pain tolerance training, you know, and that's essentially what he's putting me through now. You know, I mean, his big thing is, you know, when we're training together and I'm bitching and moaning and it's, <laughs> which happens often, <laughs> um, you know, he's just... He's just in my ear, and all he says is, "You can breathe when you're done. You can breathe when you're done." You know, and that's that's his whole thing. It's just get it done, then you can breathe. But until that. then, just keep pushing. Um, you know, and that's just yeah, that's a whole new level of you know fucked up to say the least. Um, but you know, I mean, it's he. You know, there's a reason he achieved the things he did, you know, when he was competing. Um, and a lot of it has to do with that, that mental capability of just t tuning everything out um, and just going until you can't anymore. You know, I have, you know, I mean, for instance, last week, the asshole had me doing a back squat and deadlift superset during my workout. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. does that. Yeah, so that was... And that's how I started my training day. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, if you can endure this, you can literally get through anything. So suck it up and go. Yeah. You know, it was, it was sets of five on back squat. Then, so it was four rounds, five rep back squat, five reps, deadlift, two minutes rest for four rounds. Um, and it was hell. It was absolute hell. Uh, you know, but again, his whole thing is, you know, you can breathe when you're done. You know, this is this is the easy part, um, you know, and it's it's all it's all in preparation because, you know, he's he's done the things I want to achieve in the sport, um, which is why I kind of just put on the blinders. I close my eyes and just say yes and cry a little bit every time he sends me a program. Uh, but I get it done, you know. <laughs> They're like, uh, I've just got a, new, you know, a new, new program through. I'm not quite sure if I want to read through it, but I will get back to it at some point. <laughs> well, that's my, yeah, my cool thing is I don't open the program until I get to the gym that day because uh, I just don't want to know what I'm in for. Oh, you know, a lot of like people are, are opposite um, where you know, they want to plan out their week and know what they're doing. You know, for me, he sends me the program and I don't even take a look at it. Um, I take a look at each day separately and I don't look at it until I get into the gym. You know, I have an idea of what I'll be doing. I'm like, okay, it's going to be an overhead day. But I, that's all I really know. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it's worked out pretty well. You know, for me, I can follow directions pretty well when it comes to a program. Um, so I don't bitch too much. Uh, you know, but, you know, when I see when I see what's written down on, on, the, on the paper, you know, I'm able to just kind of turn everything off and just go, which has been really nice. And that's, you know, that's been something that's great about working with Derek, you know, somebody that I've looked up to for so long. You know, now that he's my coach and friend, uh, you know, it puts a little bit more pressure on me to perform really well, you know, because I know what he's done in the sport. I know what he went through. And now he looks at me and it's like, well, you can do the same shit. You are the person. You know, so it's like, okay. So now not – yeah, you know, not only is – not only, you know, is he my coach, but he's a fan. And now he, you know, expects me to perform well. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just adds that extra level of, you know, pressure, but also it's the coolest thing in the world to have that, uh, uh, that motivation, you know, kind of biting me in the ass every single time I step into the gym. So did you approach him? Did he approach you? How did the, the, the collaboration between the two of you begin? So I approached him. So I've actually known Derek since 17. Um, you know, oh, wow. we, he, you know, lived about an hour and a half from where I was growing up. 
And uh, when I first got into the sport, I was like, you know, saw him on TV, saw he's from Connecticut. I was like, shit, you know, I mean, if I if I want to actually do this and do well at it, I should probably reach out and see if I can train with them with him every once in a while. And he had a massive training crew on the weekends. And, uh, you know, so I would, you know, little 17 year old Rob uh, chubby and not really that athletic would show up. And, you know, here's Derek Poundstone in 2009 at the peak of his career. And, you know, walk into the gym and there he is deadlifting 800 for nine or, you know, doing a 400 pound axle clean once press away for, you know, eight or nine reps, just stupid stuff. And I felt so out of place, but so excited to learn Um, and, you know, did that a few times, uh, you know, was able to train with him and that crew a few times. And over the years, we stayed in touch. Um, you know, I was a total fangirl the entire time. And, you know, fortunately, you know, from us, you know, being acquaintances and me training with him every once in a while, he kind of evolved into this friend, you know, and then about a year and a half ago, it was right after I had actually gotten injured at Giants Live North America. Um, I had reached out to him and said, hey, this year was shit. Uh, I had a horrible year at Worlds. I didn't perform all the log lift championships. I just got injured at North America. So I was like, I need to do something different. And, you know, fortunately, he was at a place where he was ready to coach. So prior to that moment, I had asked him a couple of times uh, if he would coach me. And he actually turned me down. And it was simply because he wasn't ready, you know, for him. Once he t- turned into a coach, that was the final nail in the coffin on his yeah. co- competitive career. And I don't think he wasn't ready to accept that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think him popping off his bicep in 2017 at Summermania on the first attempt on a tire flip, you know, at his first contest back. I think that's when he, you know, finally took a step back. And then 2018, when I approached him, he was finally ready. And, uh, you know, now, like, our friendship is stronger than ever. He gets more excited about my training and me competing than, uh, you know, I thought he would. And it's cool to have him in my corner, you know, every time I step into a contest. Uh, you know, he's so involved when it comes to my program. Uh, you know, he's he's very needy, actually, to be honest. But, <laughs> but I love him. You know, he's, he's, so, he's so invested in my career. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty special what we have, you know, to have, to have the friendship that we do. Um, and, you know, to be able to literally, you know, like just text and be like, yeah, this feels like shit. Can we change it up? Um, you know, and within minutes he's, you know, right back to me and, you know, we're making things work. You know, I think a great thing that sums up our friendship is we were out in Tucson, Arizona doing a seminar a few weeks ago. And the night before the seminar, we were training and we were doing dumbbell, uh, you know, getting ready for the Arnold. And so he had me doing, uh, it was, I think it was a hundred kilos, you know, clean and press for reps. And every time I would drop the dumbbell, I would drop it um, a certain way. And I finished my set. He's like, why are you dropping the dumbbell like that? So it wasn't about, you know, we, we essentially had a little bickering moment about how to drop the dumbbell from overhead to be most effective and quickest throughout the event. Um, you know, and it took him trying it a couple of times. And this went on for about 15 minutes. By the end of it, I was right. So just make sure everybody knows that. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, we have such a great working relationship. And, you know, like I said, he's, he's so excited and so motivated to see me do well that, uh, you know, it motivates me to want to, you know, perform well and not let him down. That's for sure. 
hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I definitely think there's a there's a special part of that. I I myself was coached yeah, a very very similar concept. Rob Frampton lives about a, a, an hour away from me. Uh, I didn't know anything about strongman at all. I actually got connected through someone else, and I was like, well, I have the ability to go and see him. I don't know it's a little bit of a trek, but hey, what? Why not? You know that this guy is 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 a legend in the, in the UK scene, and he knows everything and. He understands how to get to that level and well i don't have a clue and then from there i mean it, it just just blossomed and then i went and smashed my first four competitions first two at novice my first year which i won with like three four months prep and then next year at inters did the exact same thing and it's like well success leaves marks doesn't it you know if you're going to be coached by someone who understands yes. what it takes to get there then a hundred percent then you need to be on that level because especially with a sport like strongman which and I had this discussion with other people that have competed in powerlifting and stuff like that. Strongman, because it's such a multifaceted sport, there's so many different areas where you can be strong at and you can be weak at. That just like CrossFit, it takes so long to bring all of these events up. You know, to have your dumbbell the same as your log, the same as your axle squat, the same as your yoke. It's so impossibly hard to do because it, it just takes so much from you. So to have that knowledge and information from another coach... I think it's wicked that you have the ability where you can kind of bounce that information back and forth because it's only going to make you so much better. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's exactly what happened. You know, I think the, the common misconception about me is uh, people think I was actually good at this sport when I started and I totally sucked. You know, I was I was horrible. Yeah, you know, I took dead last in the first eight shows I entered. Um which you know, I think so is I really important that people no... listen to that because for for someone of yeah. a world standard to say that, I think there are so many people that go into the novice that eat shit for the first few competitions and they go, oh, actually, nah, there's no point in me doing this. But for you to say that, that's a game changer. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's obviously, you know, the anomalies. You know, like Evan Singleton is one of the first ones that come to mind. You know, he reached, you know, the world's level in three competitions. That's crazy. Uh, for me, I ate shit for three years, <laughs> you know, and that's just how it was. And, you know, for me, the biggest thing was the only reason I got to this level is because you know, when I started Strongman, there's no way in hell I thought I'd be competing at World's Strongest Man, let alone doing this as a career now. Um, for me, I got into the sport, loved it, learned as much as I could about it, Um and I made small goals that I knew I could reach throughout the course of my career. So for me, it was, you know, after the first few contests, it was, okay, let's not zero an event at the next one. That was, that was my first goal. Because each show I was entering, I was zeroing at least two events. So I was like, okay, let's not zero. Once I didn't zero an event, I was like, okay, let's go for the podium. That took a little bit longer. That took almost a year and a half for me to get my, get on my first podium. But my first podium was a first place finish. So, yeah, get on the podium. I'm like, okay, we're getting the hang of this now. Then it was, you know, so then I, you know, I took first place and then I bumped up a weight class. So I was competing under 200, so 80 kilos or so. Okay. And, uh, or no, 90, sorry. So 90 kilos. And so I was competing there and then it was, okay, let me jump into the 105. See how I do there. 
didn't do so hot because I was still pretty, you know, relatively weak compared to the other guys. And I was young. I was 18, 19 years old. So what I did then was I actually dropped back down to 90 kilos and went to nationals for the first time just to see how I would do against everybody else. No expectations, just went in to have fun. Um, ended up taking second place. Huge shock to me. Didn't expect that whatsoever. From there, it was, okay, now I'm getting pretty good at this sport. Let's bump back up to 105. Let's go for that pro card. And that's what we talked about earlier when I had that tumultuous couple of years where, you know, I, you know, just barely missed out on my pro card and winning nationals two times in a row. Uh, then, you know, kind of set my goals, hired a new coach, became pro at 105. And even then, back in 2013, I still didn't think I would be a heavyweight. I still didn't think I would be getting the world's strongest man. That, was, that wasn't even a goal of mine until maybe 2016, 2017. So I competed as a 105 athlete from 2013 to 2016. You know, I was fortunate enough to take second place at America's Strongest Man two years in a row, competed at 105 World Strongest Man, took the 105 World Log Press record, um, and then in 2016 got the opportunity to compete at the Log Press World Championships that Zadruna Savickas was hosting in Lithuania. Um, Which you so can't I weighed ever turn down. <laughs> no one can exactly. turn down that opportunity. I don't care who you are. There's no way. Well, the funny thing about that is, is I saw on Instagram that he was training for it. So I had reached out to Dion Wessels, who runs Strongman Corporation here in the U.S. And I was like, hey, at this time, by this time, I had the heavyweight amateur log press record. Um, and I reached out. I was like, hey, do we have anybody from the U.S. going to this contest? Because if not, I wouldn't mind going. Not this is three weeks before the show, by the way. Oh my god! Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> she reaches out to Zadrunas. The next morning, I have a DM on Instagram from Zadrunas asking what my best log press is in competition and training. So I tell him, I'm you know obviously freaking out this entire time. Um, so I tell him my numbers, and he's like, "Okay, if you can get to Lithuania, I'll cover your hotel and you can compete." So, yeah. So this time I was weighing 246 pounds. So I was 112 kilos, super light, and going into the World, World Log Press Championships as a heavyweight. Uh, so how, um, how much lighter do you reckon you must have been than everyone on the day? Because 112 is very light for a heavyweight. I would say that the next lightest guy was probably at least 130, 135. <sighs> Man, that's a big disadvantage, right? Yeah, you know, so obviously I had no expectations going into this contest. It was my first international show. I was actually cutting weight for 105 World Strongest Man. That was going to be six weeks after that contest. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was like worst timing ever. Um, and I really wasn't training a max log. So <laughs> I was like, well... Fuck it, let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck and, it, That's, um, that sums up perfectly. Yeah, you know, like you said before, I'm not going to turn down the opportunity. So I show up in Lithuania. I, uh, you know, warm-ups go pretty well. We're calling out our numbers, and we're, you know, deciding what we're going to be hitting. And I ended up hitting 202.5. Which is and bloody good. was pretty pretty excited about that. Yeah. You know, I was weighing in at 112, and I didn't even realize that it was good until the last person I'd pressed, and it was Dimitar Sabatinov. 
he comes up to me and said, congratulations, you just won. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> I had no idea what other people were doing. You know, I, I was not paying attention to any of the lifts anybody else was doing. I was just there. I was like, I'll hit these numbers. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy this. That's all I cared about. Sure enough, me and Vitas Bukaitis tied at 202.5, um, and I ended up winning the Log Press World Championships my first time there. You know, beating Vitautis Lawless, I beat Grant Hicks. Like, like totally wasn't expecting any of that. And uh, that was actually the moment where Joey looked at me, and he was like, wow, so you, you could actually be a heavyweight and do this. And, and it was up until that moment that I didn't even think it could. You know, for me, it was like, oh, you know, I'll just keep competing 105. You know, I'm short. I'm only five foot ten. Um, you know, I was cutting from about 250, like 112 to 114, down to 105. And uh, but that was the moment where I was like, shit. All right. Well, maybe I can do this heavyweight thing. So, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to do well at the log press and uh, deadlift championships from Giants Live as a 105 athlete, um, and then ended up qualifying for the Arnold South Africa January of 2017. Um, once I did that and my performances before then, that was uh, when I actually got the call from Colin Bryce and got the, uh, the wild card invite to World's Strongest Man in 2017, um, which I wasn't expecting. I had no idea that was going to be happening. Um, and that's when, you know, kind of my life changed and, you know, I went into the heavyweight world of strongman. And now going from you know your your weight categories it's very much a different kettle of fish and well i mean you can approach it from from various different angles but when you when you're in like the under 90s and the under 105s and things like that i think uh you know the margins potentially are, are actually even smaller than when you're in the open categories because everyone's everyone's pound for pound pretty much around about the same weight and it's just literally about strength and technique whereas obviously when you get up to the heavyweight division if you're competing at 130 and Thor's walking around at 195 or what 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 have you, it's like, okay, well, 60 kgs is a big difference. A big difference. Well, and then, and then you take the height into the consideration. Yeah, you take the height into the consideration I mean, as well. And you're like, how? Yeah, you know, and that's something I deal with in every single contest. But that's, you know, I think... With coming up through the ranks of the of the lower classes, um, I became a student of the sport, and I think that's that's why I've been able to be so successful because I have analyzed and dissected every single event there is in this sport to make it most effective for me when I'm performing it. You know, so when it's stones to high platforms, you know, we talked about the log press and split jerking. Um, there's all these little techniques, you know, learning the hitch like Derek used to do. Um, all these techniques to let me compete at this high level at such a small size is why I got to this level. You know, it's not, be I mean, okay. Yeah, I'm strong, but I'm not grossly stronger than anybody else. I have horrible genetically. I'm at a horrible genetic dis disadvantage compared to everybody else. Uh, um, you know, and, but it was the fact that I studied so much of the sport and, all of these different athletes to see what worked for them, what didn't work for them, guys around my size, even looking at the bigger guys and how they attack events. 
putting all those things together and trying those things out over the course of 10 years um, is how I, you know, got to the point of having my most successful, my most successful year this past year in 2019. Yeah, I think it's it's really important that you come back to the whole concept that this is and has not been an overnight thing. 10 years in the grand scheme of things, although in a lifetime it's not a particularly long time, to just be working away at something to get to the highest echelon. 10 years of hard graft is a fucking long time to be destroying your body and pushing yourself to the literal max week in, week out. Like that takes its its toll on your body. So the fact that you've been able to get through all of that, even with the injuries that you've had, that in itself is phenomenal. Yeah, you know, and I think, um, you know, I think the great and annoying thing about strongman is, you know, with, with the exception of Joey, it's not something you're going to be good at right away. <laughs> God damn you, Joey! <laughs> yeah, he's a bad. But um. You know, it's it's just one of those things that, like, you know, like I mentioned before, I sucked at this sport for a long time. Um, but I think, you know, it's what you and I talked about before. It's people get caught up and they want to reach a certain level right away. And, you know, it's completely unrealistic. And that's how people get hurt. You know, I'm not trying to throw, you know, this person under the bus. But, like, you look at a guy like Larry Wheels. I have so much respect for him. Him and I had a great time at the Log Press Championships in Leeds back in April. Um, you know, he's done really amazing things. However, you know, you know, you jump into the highest level of sport with barely any training background in strongman. Or shoes. And that's where injuries happen. You know, we we saw him, you know, he tore his bicep. That probably wouldn't have happened had he gone through the channels that all the other strength athletes go through. You build up that tendon strength. You build up that the event-specific strength throughout years of doing this stuff. And, you know, he's amazing as an athlete, and he's unbelievably, disgustingly strong. But strength is only part of the game. You know, I mean, it's you need event experience to be able to do the things that we do at this level. And to walk into a stone series ending at 205 kilos, when you've only been doing the sport for six months, you're just asking for an injury. And I never wish that upon anybody. And it's hor- you know, it sucks that he got hurt because I would have loved to see him compete in Manchester as a you know full full on ready to go or Wembley. Um, you know, but it's just one of those things that that comes with the territory. Is no matter how strong you are, you need a certain training age in the events to be able to compete at this level and withstand the shit that we go through without that super high risk of injury that there already is, you want to minimize that as much as possible. Well, yeah, and I think what you've said there is is brilliant because it highlights to the rest of the world, you know, Larry Wills is someone who, like you said, is, and you, you framed it perfectly, disgustingly strong, disgustingly strong. Yeah. But for, for, for people it to... pisses me off every day. <laughs> oh, me too, brother, me too. <laughs> Uh, when people see that every day on social media and they go holy shit like look at all of that weight for them to then see larry move across into our sport and get injured realistically quite quickly i think it kind of it allowed everyone to see that oh actually okay this strongman sport like this is the real shit this isn't just about lifting heavy weights this is heavy weights this is awkward implements this is loading in different forms this is literally every single stress you can put on your body you're doing it 
in one competition in a space of like six to eight hours. It's it's the most intense thing that you get. Six to eight. Now Giants live shows are running in four. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. And like, you know, like we alluded to, you know, you have to have a certain level of experience doing these things to be able to withstand that kind of load in that short of amount of time. You know, it's um the sport has evolved so much in the past few years that, you know, we're not competing in car parks anymore. We're in arenas. We need to keep the crowds engaged. We need to make it a performance and a show. Um, and to be able to do that under that much pressure with that much weight in a short amount of time, it, it takes the years of experience of training and competing in this sport, not just on a barbell, but around the implements, you know, and it's, it's the thing that I love most about strongman is being able to be an athlete and be strong as fuck and do all these really cool things and travel the world. But it comes down to, like I said, I, I love being an athlete and the coolest thing about the sport is, you know, I tell people I've been doing this sport for 10 years and I've never once done a competition that is exactly the same as another one. Every single show has been different and that's the coolest part about it. Um, you know, you generally know what you're going to get at each show, but so many things can change. Um, and that's, that's the best part about it. And that's what keeps me so excited and motivated. Every compete. Yeah. I think that the fact that you, there's always that kind of that level of mystery that even, you know, even though you might have prepared for every single event, you can get there on the day. And, you know, I found it multiple times with the competitions that I've been, especially at grassroots level. It's like, oh, well, we don't have access to that implement. So you thought you were doing this and you trained for this. But in actual fact, we're going to do this complete polar opposite movement because it's all we've got access to. And it's like, okay, well, for those people that just trained for that event, yeah, you're strong for that event, but you're not a strong man or a strong woman. You're just strong for that. This is whatever the weight, whatever the implement, whatever the day, whatever the weather, whether it's in a car park or an arena, just fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, you know, I have a little bit of a problem with a, one of the one of the federations here in the US where they actually released the events for their national championships one year prior to the contest. And yeah, it's it's that's crazy. That's a long ass time. And there's a lot of people that just train that for an entire year. And I, and I look at them, I'm like, that doesn't make you a good strongman. That makes you good at five events. Cool. <laughs> you train those five events for a year. What happens when, you know, that situation happens where, where you just talked about where one of the implements doesn't make it or there, you know, something breaks. Hell, that happened to us at all at the team championships a few weeks ago. You know, we were, we, they were told it was going to be a yoke walk in one of the contests. The lorry got into an accident, bent some of the equipment. We had to take out the yoke walk, and they threw in a tire flip sandbag medley the day before the contest started. So it happens even at our level. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I love mean, that. It just doesn't change. It doesn't change. No. And, I, and that's the best part about it. It's like, you know, well, fuck it. Be ready for anything. You're <laughs> Everybody's in the same boat. You know, nothing. nothing's different. So, you know, when I see people like train for a contest for like four months, I'm like, that's, it's not doing you any good. Like, cool. You'll do, you might do well at that contest. You might even shit the bed, even if you train those events for four, for four months straight. <laughs> yeah. But then what people also don't realize is, you know, if you're just training for those events, yeah, you're going to be strong for those events. But also more importantly with your body is that you're creating massive biases in your body. You know, if you're, if you're just training for a silver dollar pool, and you've actually got a competition that's like three months afterwards that requires you to pull from the floor and all you've been doing is pulling from a silver dollar height. It's like, well, 
your back is going to develop in a way where you're not necessarily going to be able to get back down to the floor and perform to the same standard because your body adapts. That's the fantastic thing about being a human is that we adapt to whatever the stresses are. So if you're going to be a strong man, you have to take it from different heights, different angles, change the stances, change all these things because like you said on the day, you have no idea what you're going to get and you need to be able to turn up and hit anything out of the park. And that's why that's when I first started, that's why I competed so often, you know, so I never had more than three or four weeks in between contests my first few years because I was constantly going to shows with different events. I was getting the experience on those events. I would only train for each contest about two to three weeks and go compete and jump to the next show. And, you know, you don't develop those, you know, the muscular imbalances, you don't develop bad techniques because there's no time to develop any technique. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, here's this event learn how to do it, watch some YouTube shit back then, uh, and then go out and perform. And that's pretty much how I lived my first two and a half years of competing in strongman. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why it got me to this level. And then, you know, now it, you know, it all comes full circle to next year in 2020. I have 13 competitions planned between January and October. Jesus, man, 13 in a year. What the heck? So so talk to me. How how do you go about choosing your comps at this level? Because when you're at this level, I mean, the, there are so many different things that, that you need to take into to account. But obviously, when you're lifting these weights, that the stress on your central nervous system is huge. You know, we can see like Martins has had massive nerve issues recently. And there are lots of problems that are creeping up for, for various different athletes. So how do you go about choosing your competitions? Do you like to give yourself certain space? Will you only peak for certain comps? Or is it a case of that every single one of these competitions, you're going in at 100%? So it's um, I, I just say yes to all the invites that I get. <laughs> That's the best way. Put it, um, you know, I mean, for me, it's, you know, we're essentially peaking for two big shows a year, um, and that's the Arnold and Worlds, and now Dubai, since I have that invite. So we have three big shows next year, um, and then all the rest are the Giants Live and the Arnold shows. So those obviously are massive, and I have very big goals when it comes to those shows as well. Um, but the main focus is the, the big three, and... Um, you know, to be totally honest, I leave that all in Derek's hands. Um, I trust everything he's going to put me through. And, you know, I just I smile and nod and then curse him out in my head and just go about, you know, every single week, whatever he tells me to do. And, you know, I mean, to, you know, between you and I, he fought me tooth and nail about doing the Arnold Santa Monica in January. He was like, I don't want you doing it. Um, you know, it's too close to Ohio. The events are going to be different, all this stuff. I looked at him and I said, you don't turn down an invite from Arnold going to the contest. Um, so, <laughs> um, so he said, fine, you can go to the show, but it's just going to be a training day because you're training every day leading up to that contest. So we had a compromise. Um, so I'm treat. I'm, he's not changing a single thing off of his plan for Ohio. Cause that is the goal is to, uh, you know, be top five in Ohio is the main goal for the Arnold, um, possibly on the podium with the, this, the events this year, because I, I think I pretty well. See you very well. Um, so in his mind, in his mind, nothing matters besides that contest right now. So if I'm going to go out and compete in, in, uh, 
in Santa Monica, then we're just going to treat it as a training day and not change a single damn thing leading up to that. So, you know, I'll be training. I leave for that contest on a Thursday, which means I'm going to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> get on a plane Thursday, be out there, compete Saturday, come home Monday and be ready to go again for the next week and uh, not miss a beat. Man, so what what do you do? Do you do anything different for for your recovery? Obviously, at this level, you know, there's there's so much going on. There's so much stress. Now, I know that you're 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 big on your supplements. Um, is there anything outside of that, that 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 you're finding is working for you? Do you get treatment done? Do you do cryo? Do you stretch yoga? Yeah. Do, or do you do nothing like most people? <laughs> So I do, I, I have one physio session a week, um, and that happens every single week. And then I also go to a commercial gym and I, I swim, uh, three times a week. I do a hot tub sauna, um, do that like three times a week just to get the body loose. Um, you know, to make sure that I'm staying healthy, also get a little cardio aspect in there as well. Um, I'm really bad at swimming, so it takes a lot of energy for me to do it. So my heart rate gets really high, uh, uh <laughs> you know, which is, you know, it's, it's a good cardio workout that doesn't take any stress on the body. You know, I mean, it's, we're buoyant, the body, you know, I'm not putting any strain whatsoever. I'm just swimming. I'm getting my heart rate up. I'm sweating a little bit. I'll hit the hot tub in the sauna just to loosen up a little bit more. Um, and like I said, then the physio once a week, that's pretty much what I'm doing outside. That's all my recovery stuff right there. A hundred percent. And kind of going into this year, are you kind of happy with where your weight and stuff is sitting right now? Are you looking to, to add any more to the frame? Are you looking to take away? Or are you are you feeling pretty confident with where you're sat right now? Because, I mean, you're looking good. You're looking bigger. Things are starting to look like they're really piecing together for the 2020 season, man. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, it's um, I think, you know, Derek and I were a little bit obsessed with the scale when we first started working together. Um. But to be totally honest, we the, the more we work together, the more we realize it's really not that important. Um, you know, for me, I'm weighing, I'm weighing about 285 pounds right now, so just around 130 kilos, just just over. Um, and this seems to be a sweet spot for me. I feel this is the strongest felt in an off-season prep by far. Um, I'm hitting numbers that I'm usually hitting mid-peak. You know, when I'm in my off season, not really, you know, I'm training hard, um, but not killing myself. And, you know, I, I've never, I, I'm really confident going into the 2020 year, you know, I, obviously the goal is to try to trim some fat, get a little bit leaner, um, while maintaining or adding some body weight. You know, I think the end goal, um, within the next few years is to, to be in that 300 pound range for body weight. Um, but do it as cleanly as possible. And that's one of the things that I'm working on with my nutrition coach, with Derek, putting all the pieces together um, to make sure that I'm most successful throughout the year, you know, being leaner, that's, that's kind of a big goal for us right now. Um, considering I'm competing so often next year, if we can trim down on some of that body fat, I'll hold less inflammation. I'll be able to recover quicker after competitions and perform better each show. Um, if I have a little bit of less body fat on me. So that's kind of the focus right now. Um, up until, you know, January, mid January, right around the Arnold Santa Monica, actually, that's when we're going to really, bump everything up and start that final prep into Ohio where things will get kind of crazy. Which is going to be super exciting. Super exciting. It's going to be a wild show this year, I think. You know, I think six events is awesome. We've never done that before. Um, and just the, the I feel the entire style of the competition is different this year. Um, 
more moving events, more medley type events that, you know, the Arnold is historically known for just these static monsters and big lifts. Obviously, you know, we have the elephant bar deadlift this year. And, um, you know, then we have the dumbbell, um, which is just stupidly heavy. Now we have the choice yeah. between a hundred and what is it? 330 pounds. So it's about 150 kilos, <laughs> which is the current world record. Um, uh, let me do the math. So yeah, it's either 135 That's or it. 150. Yeah, I thought it was like 130. Are the dumbbell? Yeah. So those are the two options, and it's you know one rep with the heavier dumbbell beats any amount of reps with the lighter dumbbell, um, and, and then you know we're, they're we're doing the frame up the ramp again at 400 kilos. Uh, we're bringing back the wheel of pain. That'll be great. And then uh, said no one ever. <laughs> yeah, early uh, we're, doing, we're doing a sandbag toss so everybody's fighting for second place against Thor <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, you know for me I'm just fighting not to be in last in that event and uh, you know then a brand new event this year the trial by stone event um, which is actually yeah. the first event of the contest which is just so freaking cool it's two natural stone clean presses, two natural stone loads and then the Husafel carry um, and that's one event, and that's the first one we're starting with. Uh, like, so and that, uh, if people haven't competed, are... that is such a harsh event to open on. Just there isn't going to be a part of your body that isn't going to be fatigued after that. Trying to trying to load natural stones, trying to press natural stones. I mean, ev I feel like everyone's going to be going into event number two probably feeling a little bit more beaten up than they usually would. <laughs> It, it is the biggest fuck you in strongman. <laughs> Outside of the wheel of pain Start for the second time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this I, This is, I arguably, this is going to be the hardest competition any of us have ever done at this level. Um, the Arnold obviously is regarded as, you know, it's it's the cream of the crop when it comes to competing. You know, it's it's the arguably the top 10 guys in the world. And, um they are they're definitely putting us through the ringer this year uh but it's going to be super exciting i mean the the crew the guys that have qualified already in the three spots that are still open it's going to be interesting you know looking at points either brian or martins won't be competing at the arnold this year which how is how crazy um, is that to think about from from a standard perspective to not have one of those guys on the stage that just gives you an idea of just how fucking competitive this space is now with the amount of people that we have it literally is a case of anyone can turn up on the day and anyone can take first place and i love that about strong well and that's yeah you know that's what derek and i were talking about you know we sat down a little while ago just to go over the arnold we looked at the competitors looked who's probably gonna end up competing as well and what 10 guys are gonna be there we looked at the events and derek was like Eight out of these ten guys can be top three. <laughs> you know, wild. It's absolutely. But that's like that's what's so exciting, and that's why the strongman competition at the Arnold has become the biggest draw at the convention. Um, you know, I mean, we we get more competitors for the strongman classic than the bodybuilders do than any other sport. You know, at, at this convention, to the point where they actually they're building a strongman arena in the convention center this year wow. for our competition because the main stage was too small. 
Dude, every single time uh, they pan the camera around on the live stream, mad. it's just it's just the sea of heads. And then just the stalls yeah. intermittently just dotted between them. And then seas of people. And you're like, this is insane. Yeah. There's not a single meter that's free for anyone to stand in. No, I mean, I remember going as a spectator. Uh, Joey and I would go and we would sit at the stage three and a half hours before the Strongman contest even began. Just so we had a spot to sit to watch the show. I love that. I love that, and I feel like the Arnold's getting this this really like cult following because of because of those things, like where they've gone above and beyond, and they were really kind of the first people to work with Rogue and bring out all these different cool events. And the way they've pub publicized it, uh, like not quite as the same that the kind of WSM has gone down, is that I feel like a lot of people are, are, are really paying attention to this because for a lot of people that aren't in the strongman world, this is kind of like one of the biggest competitions of the year for them. And I think it's true. It's kind yeah, of, it's getting know, that top place. I think the coolest thing of what they did is they moved to this qualification system. So now we have a season. We have a qualifying tour to get to Ohio. It's completely black and white, which is great. There's no gray area for who's going to be competing. And people get invested when it's like that. You look at pro sports in the U.S. when there are different leagues and everybody's competing to play in the playoffs, right? That's how I look at the Arnold now. With their international competitions, you see a lot of the guys at the same shows trying to get the points, trying to win to qualify for the world championships in Ohio. And that builds interest. That drives people because they're like, oh, well, you know, Brazil's happening this weekend. Kearney won in Australia a couple of weeks ago. Who's competing this week? Who's going to get their qualification in? Um, you know, and now we're getting down to the final the final qualification competition in, in Santa Monica. We got three guys in the points that are super close that all have a chance to make it to get points. We have two previous com competitors, one who came last year and a multiple champion of the Arnold, one of which isn't going to make it to Ohio this year. Um, I mean, so you just talk about like drama and excitement going into the show. I think this is one of the best years there is. And then you look at just the like the guys that are going to be competing. And like I said before, you know, eight out of the ten could be on the podium. And it just yeah, it's um, it's really it's really bringing in a lot of attention. I think a lot of people are now kind of seeing the hyper competitive space and seeing all of these phenomenal athletes that just come from all different walks of life and having that collection of people on stage all battling against each other i mean it's such a spectacle it's something that i feel has deserved a much bigger space in, in the public eye for, for for a lot longer than it has done but i think we're very thankful that we're at a point now where strongman really kind of has finally got its foot down on the gas and it is actually starting to take off now and we can kind of everyone's seeing the potential of what's to come and i think we're, we're at a really really cool space in time where the next kind of five to ten years is really going to shape the future of strongman and kind of where it's going and these huge arena tours and these big big stadiums where it's just literally like old school gladiator battles it's the biggest and the best fighting to the death for the, the victory of, of, of these competitions i think that's so cool yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that Giants Live is bringing the arena shows back in the U.S. in 2020, which is going to be amazing for us. Um, you know, from what I hear, they're really putting a lot of eggs in their basket for the show, and they want to, they wanna, you know, have 
just as big of a show that the UK does. And, you know, I mean, I to this day, you know, coming over to the UK is still my favorite thing to compete there because um, they're, they're the best fans in Strongman. And, you know, I I want that here in the US. You know, yeah, if you say the weather, you, I know you're you know, a fucking liar because no one comes to the UK for the weather. <laughs> God, no. Um, <laughs> it's just because I get to show off in front of 12,000 people. That's what it really is. It's all about... And everyone here loves uh, you. <laughs> you know well, that's funny you know like my biggest fan base is in the uk and it's it's because of what you guys have done for the sport you know i mean in the u.s you know we're having giants live in you know small little towns and you know in front of 300 people which is like cool but we have the market to have such a big show here in the u.s and I'm real. It, it used to be massive. I mean, when I was when I was just getting into the sport, they were selling out arenas. They were competing in Madison Square Garden, and um, it kind of died out for a little bit. But now that the sport is gaining some traction and we're getting, you know, the sport's getting big again, uh, I'm excited to see what they do and what happens here in the U.S. in the market. And really, just you know, growing the sport as much as possible. I'm fortunate that I'm only 28 years old and I'm kind of on the front end of it. Uh, you know, so hopefully I get to ride the wave as much, as long as possible and be a part of this, you know, kind of revolution of strongman, if you will. hundred percent, dude. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're at the fucking helm of it. Like you're there all the way, dude. Like you're, you're, you're riding the wave, smiling and waving from the top. That's, that's where you're at. But you've worked hard to get there, man. And that's what I love about this is that no one can take that hard work away from you. You know, you've grinded, you've grafted, you've made sure that you've been doing everything right to get to where you are. And now, well, you don't get to rest. You get to work even harder, but you get to see what it looks like from, from the top of the pyramid now. Like, you can look down and kind of go, holy shit, like, look at what I've achieved and look at where we are and look at what this sport is doing. And that's, like, that's a phenomenal place to be in life just in general, man. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like I said before, you know, I never thought that I'd be doing this as a career. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough where I left my job back in June and I'm just doing this full time now, um, you know, which is absolutely amazing. And thank you. Yeah, it's it's still it's still surreal. You know, I mean, it's like I said, you know, I never thought that I think we all want to be professional athletes growing up. And I never thought that that'd be a reality for me, especially, you know, with, you know, how pro sports are in the here in the U.S., um, I never thought this would be something I could do. And, um, you know, it's something that I definitely don't take for granted at all. And it just motivates me to to be better and to do more. And, you know, I think, you know, that's a part of me, you know, being the world's strongest gay on social media is just, you know, using my platform for a bigger message than just strongman. And that's kind of been my whole motivation this entire time is just being as visible and as open as possible with my sexuality to show other people of the lgbtq community that they can achieve things that they never thought were possible and also just get into the sport that i love and have devoted my life to you know as a gay man looking at strong and from the outside looking in it's intimidating as fuck um but you know once you step into the sport you realize we're just a bunch of big teddy bears and want everybody to do well you know <laughs> so that's that's the best part about it and that's I shit all the time and people are like, you know, why do you have to call yourself world strongest gay? Why, you know, there's no world strongest straight, like all this stuff nonstop. And, uh, you know, I just tell them, you know, visibility is you know, so important because, you know, had there been an openly gay professional athlete, not even just a strong man, 
but just in general, while they were actively competing, you know, might have changed the course of, of my journey. You know, I might have been able to come to terms with my sexuality sooner and, you know, not go through those years of exhaustive pretending um, for so long. And that's my goal when I am, you know, so open about my sexuality is just, you know, to try to be that kind of beacon of light for, you know, young kids all over the world that, you know, if they're feeling a certain way, um, you know, they see me, you know, kind of crushing it in strong man, being happily married to my husband and, you know, doing life as, 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 as good as I can. Yeah. And I think what's, what's phenomenal is, I mean, even if you go back kind of <clears throat> 15, 20 years and you were to look at kind of sporting celebrities at the time is that there were no platforms developed at that time where you could reach out you know the only people that would be able to talk to kind of the david beckhams of this world or these the super bowl guys are guys that are related with with the press kits that are going to be for for the certain teams it you would never be able to just hop on my phone and type in rob kearney and shoot you a dm on instagram and then you fucking reply and i'm like wait what the hell this is one of the strongest men in the world and he's just chatting to a guy that is invariably no one like we have we have this access now to be able to communicate with people like yourselves that in itself is phenomenal because the outreach you have with young men and women and anyone in the lgbtq community you have instant access if people want to come and say, hey, Rob, like I've been struggling with my sexuality. I want to come out, but I'm also in this sport. How do I do it? Back 10, 15 years ago, you were on your own. You might be able to read an article yep. at the back of a magazine and men's health or something like that, but you would never be able to just literally get on your phone and contact one of the greatest known gay male strength athletes and go, hey, man, how did you do it? And then you pick up the phone and just low key type back and you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I mean, I can't tell you how many messages I get where the first line is, you probably won't see this, but, um, you know, and then they go into this whole thing. And those are the ones that I make sure I respond to, um, you know, and I, I mean, you know, it's great to be able to do that. And, you know, the amount of messages from teenagers and young kids all over the world that I get on a weekly basis um, are just out of this world. And, you know, that's I make sure to take the time and respond to them and you know make sure that you know they realize i'm only human as well uh but you know the fact that you know me being so open about my sexuality and my relationship and doing what i am doing you know knowing that it's giving them the motivation to you know find themselves and just be comfortable in their own skin that means more than anything that i'll ever do in the sport um you know i just kind of you know, I got a message not too long ago and I posted it up on my Instagram that there was, um, you know, a 16 year old boy who was on the verge of committing suicide until he found my profile, you know, and like stuff like that. I mean, I still get chills just thinking about it. And it's, I never thought that I would be that person for somebody, um, you know, but just the fact of him seeing my Instagram made him you know, realize that his life is valued and people love him and that he can do these things while being himself. Um, you know, that means more to me than any competition I'll ever win. And, uh, you know, that's been my biggest message this entire time. And fortunately I've been able to do pretty well at strongman as well. Uh, yeah. And I, it's, it's so honestly, like I know what to expect from, from strongman cause I've been around enough guys and I know that, that, the, the strongman community is absolutely amazing. The guys in there are absolute sweethearts. But to be able to listen to you talk about that 
and for you to be able to understand the task that you have that sat on your shoulders because of what you're what you've done and what you're doing and the fact that you're still loving being able to connect with people and having that connection with the community and with the people and with everyone in the LGBT community that's so so nice to hear that like you just want to help people that's all it is is like you just want to show people what is out there and what is available and what what your life is like when you truly don't give a fuck what other people think when you actually embrace who you are as a person and i mean i've i've been through various different stages of my life where i've struggled with my identity and kind of what i want to be and versus what my parents wanted me to be versus what society wants me to be and dude when you're a teenager it's a complete head fuck and you've got these hormones going around but to have someone like you who is a role model who can stand out there and say it's okay for you to feel this way. It's okay for you to understand that this is why you feel this way. And it's good for you to accept that and actually embrace it and let it flourish and let it grow you as a person. That's a fucking cool message to give out, man. Well, yeah. And like the, the biggest thing is I tell people is like once you are honest with yourself and can be true to yourself and live in that headspace, everything else in life gets easier. You know, like I was able to channel all of that energy of faking who I was for so long and put that into strongman. You know, and like that's a lot of that's a lot of shit that I was doing to pretend to be somebody I wasn't. And now I didn't even have to think about that anymore. That wasn't even a thought when I woke up in the morning. You know, I just got to be me. And and then like I said, putting that energy into other aspects of life, you know, my life was amazing. And it's not that I didn't have a good life before. It's just, you know, it took me to a new level of happiness and excitement every single day um, that I didn't realize I was missing. A hundred percent. Now, I'm just, I'm going to wrap this up real quick, Rob, because, I mean, I could speak to you forever. This is amazing. But one thing that I like to do with everyone is is kind of, I want you to take a trip back now to, uh, to, to you when you're kind of 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, you're, you're, you're a young man setting out in the world you get to go back in time and part kind of a bit of information, a bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge, a quote, whatever it is. What what information do you give to your younger self to help you get through all of this shit that life throws at you to get you to where you were from there to where you stand as, as a proud gay open man now? The first thing that comes to mind is actually a quote that I, um, it, this, this quote I came up with was actually right when I, got accepted, uh, you know, got the invite to compete at Worlds in 2017 for the first year. They send out this athlete's packet and they ask you for your motto or a quote that you live by. Um, and I was, you know, I always, you know, there's always inspirational quotes and all this stuff that always goes around. And I, you know, I was just sitting there and for some reason this came to my head and it was trained to be the person they said you would never become. Um, I like that. Yeah. That has, from that moment, that's been my motto in life. Because with me, I was told by so many people that, you know, especially, you know, I took last place in the first eight contests I did. The amount of people that questioned why I was still doing it was insurmountable. You know, people were like, why are you still going to these shows? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your money on all these competitions when you're just coming in last every time? Um, you know, it was all, you know, I was told so many people to just 
you know, don't bother with it. Focus on your career. Focus on school. Strongman's not worth it. Um, you know, and had I listened to them, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. Um, and yeah, for some reason in that moment, you know, back in 2017, I came up with that quote, trained to be the person they said he would never become. Um, and that would be the one thing I would tell my younger self. And it's still something I, it's something I tell young kids to this day when I speak at schools, um, because people are going to doubt you and laugh at you and mock you for any of the dreams that you want. But when it comes down to it, if if it's something that you're motivated to use that, use that negativity as fire, use it as fuel to really push you even harder to reach those goals. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons why I, I read every single negative message on social media, because I know when I go out there and I break the American log press record, or when I am standing on top of the podium at these contests, <laughs> there's no big for those people. Um, than me winning a competition. And I, I relic in those messages and I absolutely love them because it gets me so excited to get into the gym. It gets me so motivated to just push even harder than I was before just to give the, those people the biggest middle finger I possibly can by winning a competition and then posting a picture of me and Joey kissing on top of it is just the icing on the cake. Rob. Thank you so much, man. That, I mean, this has just been amazing. <laughs> From the get-go, I mean, I, there has not been a second I haven't enjoyed of this. And I could speak to you all day, man. You are a phenomenal man. You're a phenomenal athlete. You are doing so much for the sport. You're doing so much for your community. Honestly, man, I don't see any way but up for you right now. I'm, I'm super, super, super excited to see what 2020 brings. The best of luck in all of your competitions. Go out there, smash it. We'll definitely be watching. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it.